1: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. And right now, they have their winter clearance event. So all these products that we've been talking about all year long um, are discounted 20 to 50% off. Um that's going, you know, there's no code, there's nothing to put in, just go to the website, check it out, Um, and that's going to be valid through February 12th, so you got plenty of time, and like the Shelton hoodie um, is already an incredible price, Uh, I think it's down to like $60 or something like that, Um, heat boost is on sale, uh, lots of, I mean, so staple, uh, that Shelton hoodie is coming with me, and then early season even into the mid season um uh, I'm wearing one of their base layers and then those Durham pants are incredible uh definitely something to check out like I said huntworthgear.com uh this podcast we're talking to Aaron Blicey um just kind of a follow up from the last time that uh he was on he was going to be you know venturing out on public and uh he hunted with uh, Dan Infault and the Deer Hunter Podcast crew latitude guys uh, up Uh, in the pigeon and going to talk to him about his experiences and kind of follow up on you know what public land uh, what he expected what he saw what what kind of happened and then follow up with some gear questions uh, about uh, anything that he used over this past year that he really liked and anything that maybe uh, he's kind of going away from as well as uh, any of the new stuff at ata Uh, so And then he just did a podcast with Latitude. We've got one coming up here. Uh, That one will be out the next week. And we're going to go through uh, a follow-up on uh, all the sticks. I'm sure everybody saw those. Incredible product. I got to see him up at uh, the Total Archery Challenge on the first iteration. And um, there were some changes and things like that. Um, But we will kind of save a little bit of that uh, for that podcast. But just wanted to see if there was anything else that – That was at ATA that he really, really thought was uh, great this year. Um, And then a little uh, catching up with the Patreons. Uh, New Patreons, uh, Shane Browning and uh, Hunter Jordan, both uh, Michigan guys. Got your packages out in the mail today. Uh, Just getting back. So uh, Andy, Hunter, Shane. Uh, All your stuff is shipped out, and uh, looking forward to you getting into that uh, Marco Polo group. We've started our own one-shot, very rudimentary uh, at this point, but we're doing our own little one-shot league to keep us shooting throughout the year, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to put up some prizes for that. Uh, it's also going in our Bowhunter Chronicles uh, Opportunist group on Facebook, so that's for the Patrons as well. I uh, don't use that as much as we should, but it's a good way, uh, probably in this, to communicate. So, uh, you know, with Patreon, we do as best as we can to um, get as much stuff out to you guys as we can. I still got to do the fourth quarter giveaway, um, but you know, companies like. Huntworth, Lucky Buck, um, Zinger Fletchings, uh, all of them. Anybody that supports this show, uh, we make sure that they're going to be given something to our Patreons because for us, um, you know, that's what this show is all about. It's not about us. It's about the listeners. It's about the people that support us. Uh, so you can check that out at Patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles Podcast, or you can just go to our website Podcast.com and just uh click the link and it kind of tells you what it's all about but you know like 17 cents a day uh really helps us out um I'm going to be going to the Harrisburg show cuz I wasn't at ATA and uh it's helping us do that we're going to be supporting latitude and uh the guys from Zinger Fletchings there so um if you're going to be out that way uh look for me send me a message uh whatever I'd love to catch up grab a beer um uh, you know, I'll have stickers and stuff like that, but, uh, yeah, I, I just appreciate you guys so much and uh, this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, thanks for listening. All right, everybody. Adam back with another episode of the bow hunter Chronicles podcast. John is currently in the keys fishing for, uh, oh, what is he fishing for? Wahoo. So, uh, sounds terrible. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I just got back, we, you know, we went on vacation about the same time. That's why we weren't at, uh, at ATA and, uh, I got, we got into some crazy fishing down in, in Mexico. We went like, where we go, uh, I'd been there before. Uh, it's just this little, little town and, uh, the boats are these little pangas. There's these little, like twenty twenty four 24 foot, um, like fiberglass boats. They drag them around with a four-wheel drive truck, and that's how they launch them is they just push them into the surf and then skip out, and same thing. You just run them right up on shore, and then they come hook up to them with a tractor or a four-by-four and <laughs> drag them. <laughs> I posted some uh, videos of it to our uh, Marco Polo group, but we are th- we out there. These guys have no graphs. They have no anything. I mean, John's going down there. He's got his buddies like $4,000 like side imaging graph. It's got oh, this geez. like ridiculous chip that shows like the whole map of the bottom of the ocean and all this stuff. Um, and these guys are out there with a cell phone and that's it. Like no GPS, no, <laughs> no anything. And we're just going around chasing birds. Like that's, we're just looking for birds. Cause that's where the schools of fish are. Well, they get a call and it says, uh, Hey, there's, uh, this floating garbage out there and uh there's fish all around it and okay uh, so we're like okay so and and it was like i don't know eight or ten miles away from where we are so we just run over there and we see seven boats like in a group and we're like this is nuts like this is gonna be dumb we pull up to this floating rope and like a couple of like milk jugs and there's mahi mahi jumping out of the water everywhere. Every boat that we can see is either landing a fish or they've got one or two fish on. Like what's the what's the attraction for, from the trash? So what he said was that it's like a tangle of like a piece of an old net or something. Oh. And okay. So there was like little fish biting on like the algae and stuff that were growing on the old trash, like whatever was dangling down in the water. And then the bigger fish were coming in and eating those, and then the mahi mahi were coming in and eating those. Oh! But it was the most insane fishing scene that you've ever seen in your lifetime. We we had four guys on our boat, and then two guides or whatever, and uh, we hooked uh, twenty fish and landed thirteen. So, and you're talking, you know, twenty thirty pound fish. And wow. we were fighting some of them for 15 minutes an hour. My, my buddy actually caught one casting. What they were just doing is they were just tossing like bait. Like it's, it's wild. Like the, the fishing is like this, like even when you're out there with the birds, you're like, they're just sight fishing. so they're looking for uh riffle on top of the water, which is like the bait fish trying to get away. So these guys will take that before we like actually went out fishing, they threw their casting nets out and caught a whole bunch of sardines. So these guys will just throw a whole bunch of live sardines in the water. They'll take a half of a milk jug, shovel some water up on the surface so it creates a break in the surface, and then they put a live sardine on a hook and throw it out back and hand you the rod and say, "When it starts going, give it like you know ten seconds and then start reeling." Like, and that's oh that's gosh. what you did, and it was just nuts. Um, my buddy did end up catching one on a lure casting, which was pretty cool, but. With all those boats, with all those fish that were hooked up, with everything there was, there wasn't a tangle, there wasn't anything. And I, I'm, I'm imagining, wow. since you went to school over here, like you maybe went out on the big lake fishing or something like that. And mm-hmm. if, if you get close to another boat or whatever, guys are flipping you off. It's a mess, like, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and out there, yeah. you no, know, everybody was just like cheering everybody on. It was the wildest thing. But
2: yeah, but yeah. So I, I got a question for you about yeah. that. So. You know, you just talked about having like a four thousand dollar graph and stuff like that. Like, like a graph. I'm not a fisherman, but is that like a kind of like a fish finder? Is that like to find out where the fish are and everything?
1: Yeah. So it's like, um, it's it's like a. First of all, it's like GPS, right? So you can see like where the points are or whatever. So John, he's got a a, a graph, but he's also got a chip that's got like essentially onyx in it for the. Okay. And then it mapped the entire bottom of the ocean around wherever they were in the keys. But instead of like the old graphs where it would just show you like underneath and it would show you like little blurry things like now they've got them that show like on either side of your boat and it'll show like, you know, much more detailed imagery of what's down there. And then what the fish kind of look like, uh, versus like, uh, just before it would just be like old, um, like pixelate, like just pixels, you know, it, like, I mean, ice mm-hmm. fishing like with a vexlar, where you're just looking at a light, you know, you got to let your, your, uh, um, your lure is one light and then you can see another light following it up and you're like, okay, there's fish down there. You're, you're, right. you got movement down at the bottom and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's way more rudimentary even than like the old graphs. But yeah, like like this graph is like multiple screens and like all sorts of crazy stuff. Like, well, I guess my question for
2: you is like in the fishing world, are the are the hardcore fishermen or the purists like bitching about those like the cell cam
1: game in the whitetail world? It, so it's funny because I don't th- like when I go down there. That's like the only time that I fish. Like I don't I don't care to fish around yep. here. It doesn't excite me. Uh, but I did like scrolling through and in the comments that we had about like the cell cell cam podcast, they were like, it's just like side imaging in fishing. Like, and you know, and and, you know, when you're ice fishing, you know, guys run cameras down there and, and everything. Mm And you know, it shows you what's down there and I'm, I'm sure that they are. But like I said, even just from the cell cam comments, I can see that fishermen are, are like, ah, that's cheating. So I don't know. I mean, I was just curious because I don't know that world, so I just know the cell, the cells camp thing is a big topic. So I don't want to get in that today, though. I'm <laughs> not, i do not. want to go down that road. We're we're going to get into it a little bit here in a minute, but um, the, <laughs> so the last time you were on, we talked about you and you know getting out on public land and and all that, and I, I know you did a little bit of public land hunting. Um, I know that you tagged out here in Michigan on bucks. And I mean, I know it wasn't on public land, but you did go public land hunting. I wonder, um, how did did. that affect your, your hunting? So you went and did, uh, so did you hunt any of your spots, public land? Um, so it was really weird how it ended up happening. So
2: we went up on that, um, upper lower peninsula hunt, uh, with, Kevin and and Alex and Jake, the latitude guys, and Kevin Vistison, and and there, I mean, there was a plethora of guys. I mean, Dan and Fault and Josh and I mean, I dude, there were so many dudes there. So Michigan uh, out we of went North. up on that hunt. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordan Brown was there as well. Um, so it was weird because this this is the part of uh, I'm going to go on a little tangent for first. This is the part of the the hunting deer camp that i don't like it's um you go on a hunt like this and you're scouting and you're gone so much you don't really get to hang out much with the other people that's the part like you do but you're you'd be like up late at night you know and which is fine with me but if people that want to get up early in the morning and hunt and do that stuff it's like you know it just that part kind of sucks but anyway so we go up and scout the whole first day we i left like early, early, got there, you know, crack of daylight, scouted all day and it started downpouring on us. So kind of put it, I mean, downpouring like bad, like to the point where probably needed to get out of the weather and um, go get something dry. So scouted a couple good areas, but dude, you know, the elk sign was so hard or so, so much of it that I just wanted to get out of the elk. Like it was... There was so much elk sign, and it was it, it, sometimes it was hard to decipher elk from deer. You know, you get like a runway or a game trail or something like that. Man, it's like, boy, like the deer could use this, but it looks like an elk trail. And then you got rubs all over, and it's like, shit, just give me out of the elk. And um, that was tough. So the first night it stopped raining, and we just threw a random like I just literally threw a dart at a wall and some public and um kind of went in on some topography lines and hunted that it was my first set ever on public. And it was kind of weird, uh, really like dark afternoon hunt. Cause it just got done raining. I was, I was excited because I love hunting right after a rain. Um, didn't see any deer. Um, but it was still cool. It had that like nostalgia feel of like, man, I just don't know what's here. And uh I I was just, you know, my my goal was to kill like a six-pointer better. Uh that was, that was my that was my goal, just to kind of get the monkey off my back. And and um, so then Kevin from Latitude, Kevin Lee shot a buck that night, and we went and tracked with him. And that literally that's that track job right there is like like the single-handedly one of the most fun track jobs I've ever been on in my life. Um that was really cool, the whole latitude crew and and uh DJ David Riley was with us, and it was just so much fun. So many we last found the deer at Great Buck and uh, drank some beer and drank a lot of beer, actually got pretty drunk at camp that night. <laughs> and and uh, Alex was the only good boy out of the whole situation. He went to bed and we all stayed up. And then he went that next morning and shot that awesome deer. And we tracked, you know, after he shot that deer, we tracked the rest of that day. And into that night. I mean, I don't think we got back to camp till like maybe midnight, one o'clock in the morning. So that blew that whole day out. And I was so committed on that deer. I was like, I'm not, I don't need to hunt. I just want to like find this deer. And uh so we didn't hunt that night. The next morning, we stayed up so late tracking that deer, didn't go hunting the next morning. And then uh the next night, I they have the all these like it was my last night there, they have all these like elk viewing um Locations and they have these food plots that that the DNR and the state of Michigan and everything plant for these elk up there. I'm like man, this is just like a big oat and rye field. You know, I was I was literally going to take a doe or you know just see if I could <clears throat> pick something off coming into these fields. And uh, I found a good terrain feature coming into one of these fields, and I wanted to get into an area in between some thick area which i I thought was bedding it looked like decent bedding on the map it just looked like it was thick and and i got in this train feature and i wasn't right on the field but i was like just in the inside corner and saw i think we saw five does that night and nothing close and and, uh that was basically my public land my trip i only hunted twice and got to track
1: a lot of deer so that was that was about it so tell me about that that track job because i mean you've uh killed and been present on some incredible deer and so for um uh, you know uh, michigan 100 inch eight point or, or or whatever it was that kevin shot i mean it's, i just shot that deer for sure but like oh yeah what was it about that um that track job because we had something similar with our our public land hunt and i think it i think it kind of like uh or with our with our Patreon camp, I mean, all my hunts are basically public. So, um, but it, <laughs> yeah. but it, but it was kind of like the exclamation point, you know, on on the weekend, right? So what yeah, what was it definitely. about that um, that track job?
2: You know, man, you know those guys. Those guys are some of the best guys I've ever met, and honestly, it was just the camaraderie and the people. You know and the deer made it even better just because you know in the grand scheme of things people might just be like oh that's a small buck but i don't care who you are i mean it was a he was a six point he just didn't grow brows you know but you put brows on him he's a 100 to 105 inch eight pointer you know and we're up in the middle of nowhere and kevin goes in on the swamp hunt and um you know shoots this deer after right after he gets out of his bed you know, and I was just, it was just, it was just so cool. There was eight of us. It was Corey, Derek, uh, Alex, Jake, Kevin, me and DJ and, uh, Joey. And we had like four of us were running cameras. DJ had the, the cart, you know, the deer cart. And we're going back in the middle of nowhere with lights, just like you would have done it in college or with your buddies, you know, and it just, there were so many laughs, so many, just like good times. And, I don't know, man, it was just one of those things where, you know, for the last 11 years or so, everything I had to do was, was filming the recovery and getting these shots and getting those shots. And it was just fun to just relax and kind of like, lack of a better word, let your hair down and just enjoy it and take it all in. And man, did I take it all in? It was just so much fun. Like, that's probably the best way I
1: can describe it. So for me, when... And I know that you have a, uh, like a deer camp kind of like behind your house or you've got like some family property where you guys do a, a deer camp. Right. Yep. So to me, yep. that is the best part. Like if it, every time, like when I would be at our deer camp, when you were a kid or even now, like if you're not the first one, it, I mean, if you're not the last one back in, I should say. Like every time you see a headlamp walking up or, or, uh, you know, headlights pull in or a four wheeler come in, um, you, your your morale starts to rise. Cause even though you didn't get something yep. like there's a chance, there's still a chance that we're going to be tracking tonight. And then exactly, you know, and then it is exactly what you said. Like, you know, however old you were like all right, you know, get the lights, get the lanterns, like, okay, we're, we're going out there. Like, and then you want, I mean, you get to hear the story mm-hmm. 50 times because you're like, all right, well, is a good hit. Like, did you already find them? Did you track them at all? Like, you know, when you go through, you go through all of it, then you get out there and then you go through everything again. All right. Where was the stand? Like it, there's just yep. so much that you can draw from that energy. And I think, you know, when we do this and we, um, you know, social media and all this big buck talk, um, it, it really takes away from that right there. Cause you know, if it would have been, you know, it's great that it was a buck, you know, it's cool for you that it was like, you know, real, real public land experience, but it could have been a doe that was hit kind of, you know, just okay. And you guys are all out there you know, and, and it's the, you, you broke the ice. It's the first deer at camp. It's, it's all of the things that you like yeah. hope for when you, when you go out there and when you're with a good group of guys, like there's nothing better. So, no, I, I agree. And, you know, you bring up a good point, like the,
2: the game planning, the, uh, okay. Where'd you hit it? Like, let's, there's something like, you know, there's something romantic about, game planning with your buddy and like i don't mean it like in a romantic way but there's something like very cool about just like all right you know looking at the map this right hitting you know this we're looking at the deer anatomy and it's like well i think he entered here and okay what do we got there how far did he go how much blood do we have what type of blood is it what hair is right here like there's so many little decisions and key decisions throughout a track job that just make things so so neat and so unique and um I don't know that that is like one of, down to its core is one of my favorite things to do is just like, I'm a planner. I'm like a type A type person. So it's like, I need to know everything. Um, and let's get a plan. Let's go try to execute this. So that's just, there's just something about like, in like you said, the, the people, you know, starting at the truck and just like, all right, let's get Let's, let's, you know, and I did help film that night. You know, I was just kind of a fly on the wall and let those guys take the lead. I just wanted to be there and, and enjoy it and just take it all in. So I did film a little bit, but it was like hard for me to like, kind of not to take the camera because that's just second nature to me, but I, I didn't want to like, I just, I just wanted to
1: embrace it all and uh, just go have fun, you know? Well, and it's interesting too, because like you can see, I mean, I, I I, do, I guess I don't, there isn't like a, a huge correlation in anything that you said there. Um, but like for us, Like we went like three day, we had had, like a three day hunt and it was like the last day when everybody killed the deer. And I think it was like on my second sit where I could have took a shot at this doe that I totally would have shot. I mean, anyways, but it was like just behind this little pine tree and it would have been like through some pine needles. And all I could think in my head was like that morale, like If you don't make a good shot, and then you drag everybody out, and kind of like you're (laughs) like like that next day where you guys all tracked all day long, Mm -hmm. and then you didn't, you know, nobody went out hunting, and it just kind of changes the the feel, right? So there is, like I said, it's like that whole thing that we always say about, you know, just getting one under your belt, or like not waiting for the the buck of your dreams if you've never killed. a spike or right. you know or, or whatever. Um but that whole that morale boost for camp is like I mean for you never having been never hunted public land in your life and then being able to like go out there and be like you couldn't have drawn it up any better. Like this is right it can be done, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know tra- or
2: uh scouting that first day, that full day in, in an area I've never been like never even drove through like i've never i've lived in my in michigan my whole life and i've never even drove down a lot of those roads and like literally is is cliche as it sounds like to get lost is pretty cool it's pretty neat like you know you got your phone with you and everything but like it's just cool to see different trees and see different things and and uh I can tell you this, man, public land is, it's not easy. And I've never said it has been, it is tough. And, uh, to even just see a deer when I saw those like four does that last night, I'm like, I'm in it. Like I'm here, like, and I kind of, a little part of me wanted to, to stay more, you know? Um, but you know, to take the, the basically two days off just to track, like I didn't, you know I did go up there to hunt, but I went up there for an experience. And like I was like, there was numerous times where Alex was like, You guys can leave, you can go hunt. And I'm like, Hell no, dude. Like, I'm invested here. Like, I don't need to go hunt. Um, this is part of the experience I wanted. And I'm I'm here. Let's let's find this deer. I'm gonna do everything I can to help you find this deer and and do whatever. But um, yeah, I was just chasing experience, man. And that was the cool thing about the public land hunt, is just I there was no pressure. I didn't want there to be any pressure on myself. Like normally I'd put pressure on myself. You got to kill a deer, you know, you got to try to accomplish something, which I do, but all right. I felt like that, but a little bit, but my whole thing was, is like, just go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. Just, just relax and just it's a vacation. Go do it. And that's what I did, man. And I, I'm glad I did it that way. And I'm glad I went because that was just a, a, a good refresher,
1: a good, like reset, you know? Well, and one of the things you said there, um, you know, it, it kind of like hammers home the point that I, 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 I try to convey to guys like how, how it feels, um, like hunting without cameras or like in areas that you've never been to before, because, you know, for you, you, you it's a hundred percent I guess for anybody but like having never hunted public it's like validation of like you were in the right spot at the same time at the right time and maybe you were just a little bit off but you're like I read everything right like there's and so like for me when I go out there and then you get an opportunity at a buck or you know you see a buck or, or or whatever you know for me that's saying like okay like you you kind of figured it out. Like you're, you're, you're getting close. And for all the times that you go out and you don't see anything, you're like, man, this sucks. Like, am I in the right area? You're second guessing everything. And it's, it's just that validation. And what you said, like, as soon as you saw those deer, like that makes the hunt for you because it's like there are deer here. I am, Mm -hmm. you know, I can do this. Right. So yeah. How did that change your, your brief as it may have been? Um, your public land experience there change when you change your perspective, like when you got back home. Uh, and what I mean by that, just a little, not like saying like, Oh, public land is this or it's that. I mean like mentally. So for example, like in 2018 was the first time we went out elk hunting in Colorado or mm-hmm. uh, in Idaho rather. And super big country. So like you look at your map and on Onyx or on Spartan Ford it didn't have Spartan for the time, but like, You know, this far is a mile where, so then I come back to Michigan and I'm on this piece of public land. And just like you said, like, I'm, I'm not lost, but like, I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, I got this far to go. And then I use the map (laughs) thing and it's like, well, that's only 400 yards over there. It's not four miles like I've been used to. And I had my best year ever in 2018. And I think it was because of all the wandering around that I did. It, it gave me a much different perspective on like the the scale or like where I could go or, or what. So did did you come back to your properties that you hunted and did it change your like kind of mindset? Um, I would say the way that it changed
2: my mindset, and this has been kind of a slow gradual thing over the last couple of years is that uh, uh, I've been known to
0: Honors have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Uh, push myself a little too,
2: too much um, to the fact of like I got to do it, I got to do it, I got to do it, and then it becomes more of a big letdown when it doesn't happen. Um, this kind of validated just just be patient i'm not a, i there's a lot of times i can't be patient um i've never killed a public land deer now not a deer on public land and i could have went up there and just been like no i'm i'm deer bust you know like it's gotta i gotta kill a deer the biggest thing that i i took out of that was it's all right it's okay it's okay that nobody's gonna look at me differently You know what I mean? And if I, if they do, then it's, that's their problem, not mine. You know what I mean? Um, So that was the biggest thing I probably took away from it. And I have nothing to prove to anybody, but myself, other than like, I just want to kill a public land deer, but my time will come. It doesn't have to be in Michigan. It could be anywhere. And it, I will kill a Michigan public land deer eventually. Um, But don't force it. Don't, don't like, will it into happening or something just just let it come to you as it'll come because the moment that i start pressing and start like forcing it is when you start getting negative or me get negative and things just don't click one thing might happen and it's not a big thing but it turns into a big thing because you get you got quote unquote pressure on you just relax and be patient and i took that into the fall uh into the rest of the fall here and man i mean things were just clicking like i felt like i couldn't do anything wrong you know and it was just like well, you know there might be some days where i'm like yeah eh, i don't need to go hunting tonight like it's okay like i can take a night off um i don't know where that stems from i don't i really don't maybe it's just me getting a little more mature but um i was just okay with like i'm still working my ass off. don't worry or don't. don't 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 think I wasn't like I was glassing every morning. I take my daughter to school, come back, drive the section glass. I was still doing things that I normally do, but I wasn't, I wasn't forcing the issue. Like I need to get in a stand right now. Like everybody says, can't come from the couch, which I totally agree, but you have to take that, that verbiage and use it in the way that works for you, you know? So um I was still doing my due diligence and, and everything. And it just stuff just fell into place, you know? And, um that's the best thing i think it that uh just validated more of like just let let things come to you and it'll happen
1: you know so how do you um i guess for most people i guess i would say probably everybody maybe maybe you're a little bit more accustomed to it just because of the the company that you keep um but it's interesting to come out of uh that hunt with that mindset, being in a camp full of killers, right? A lot, but a lot better deer hunters than me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll say <laughs> <tell you> that.
1: <laughs> so, um, was it, um, from like, um, I don't want to say like a humbling experience because, uh, and I don't mean the, the land or the hunt or anything. I mean, about like being around those guys, or did you just see that? Like, everybody was kind of doing the same things, kind of figuring out the same way and just saying like, that's, you know, we're all doing the same stuff. It's just, it's just a matter of time. Right.
2: Yeah. uh, Honestly, I went into this like wanting to learn, you know, Alex chop might not be a household name to anybody, but I'm telling you what, Alex chop is one of the best deer killers I've ever been around. And I specifically remember one night at camp, there was this clear cut clear cut we were talking about. And, uh, I was, I hadn't scouted it. I was going to be more of like, man, this looks like a good area. I want to go in there for my final sit that night or the next night. And Alex is like, he was breaking down on a map with me. And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, like, holy crap, I've never, like, thought of something this way. It's just how he's talking. Like, the deer, you know, was a situation where there was two points coming into a clear cut, and there were cedars around it, and he's like, the deer are going to be bedded here, and this is what I would do. He's like, I'd, I'd, I'd work around this way, and he's like, you're probably going to find some sign in this little pinch here, and then if you go a little bit farther, you're probably going to find more, more sign, I'm like, okay, and it was just starting to, like, I need to go look at this and Corey and I, and went and scouted that and sure as shit, dude, like where he was telling me there was going to be sign, like there was open scrapes and I'm like, Holy crap. Like, like I've got a lot to learn. Like, that's the first thing that came to my mind. And I'm like, like if you're going to be King Tut and you're going to do it all, you you've got another thing coming, like go into these situations, open arms and like, you want to learn and And have have your ears open because you're going to learn something. And it might come from someone you least expect. Not that I didn't expect Alex to to be that way, but like, dude's a killer. And and I just learned so much. And that was a win for me. Like, I didn't have to kill a deer. Now, if I can, I can look at a scenario like that again of what Alex, we're breaking down. And I know that now. Like, Hey, there's probably going to be sign in these certain areas. And if it looks like this, and, uh, those are just some little things you can take. And those are little wins for me. And I, I love that part about it. I, I remember getting chills that night by the fire when he was telling me that. And he's like, why don't you try this and do this? And I'm like, God, damn, that, that's a good idea. Let's go do that. You know, and when you have a game plan, when you like talk it over with a buddy or something like that, and you've got like solid game plan for me anyway, that gives me the warm and fuzzies. Like I said, I'm a planner. Like, I don't, I don't just like, I just don't like throwing a dart and be like, ah, let's try it. You know, like I like to have a plan or some sort of plan and, uh, try to execute on it. I, hopefully that answers your question.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, um, you know, you, you, you go into a, a camp with like, you know, the hunting pe- beast crew, the deer hunter podcast crew, the latitude guys. And, you know, I, I've spent a fair amount of time with, with all of those guys separately. So I can only imagine like what the, what the camp was like, but then to, to come out of it and, and understand that it's a process, like it, it's not going to be, you, you know, and I, that's kind of what I was wondering is if, if that was like a very calming thing. Cause it's like, these guys are like some of the best deer hunters and they're like, yeah we're not worried about it. Like it, it, it's just a matter of time, you know? Very, very much calming because
2: honestly, out of the whole camp, I was probably the only guy that's probably never hunted public in my life there. So, and it'd be wrong for me to come up there and just be like, ah, yep. I kill bigger deer than you. I might have more, you know, I could have a wall full of bigger deer than the next guy, but that doesn't mean I know more than him on a public land or on big woods. Like I don't, and I'd be, I'd be stupid to think that way. Now, if you come here to my house and, I might have some things to teach you, like you know, like I say, my house, but like country, like my house, ag country and stuff. I I do pretty well in that, not to toot my own horn, but I like I like that. I I know that better. I was a fish out of water up there, so me going in open arms and and it was a calming thing. Like man, like and and you hit the nail on the head. It's a process. Like the best advice I ever got was. You got to think of it as like a three-year plan. You know, you go up there, you you dip your toe in, you might trip into one, but learn for next year. And then you're gonna go up next year, and then you're gonna learn for the next year. And that's just gonna keep adding on and adding on. And then by the by the third year, you're gonna have some pretty good intel that you can go in and probably be successful. So, and that's the way I take my out of state hunts too, is like it it might not happen the first time. Um, you could, you could, but like, you got to look at this as a long, long-term play. It, it's a marathon, not a sprint kind of thing.
1: So, um, and it's funny cause I've heard, uh, Alex say that, <laughs> and that's the way that he yeah. approaches the, the, uh, those things. And, you know, I, out of, out of all those guys that I've spent a lot of time with the, the latitude guys and hunted with them down in Ohio and, and, and you're right, like when they flip that switch and say, like, okay, this is the way that's gonna go, um it, they're they're in it, like I mean just <laughs> yes. pouring over the maps. Um yes. but what you just said is is one of the things that I've I've posed on this uh podcast and and we joke about it in the Patreon group and it's like one of these like running questions, right? Is like which guy would you rather be? And maybe I asked you on that podcast, is would you rather be the guy that has a stand that every year on his hundred acres or whatever, he just goes out there, hunts one two days a year, kills a one fifty, has a full wall of you know these giant deer, or the guy that can go out and hunt anywhere because I I feel like the camp that you were in though you you could probably teach those guys something, but I think if you gave them a fair amount of time, that they would be okay hunting your property too. <laughs> You know, I don't think they would struggle. Well,
2: no, and that's a good question because and, you know, I I heard, and I'm not picking on Dan or anything like that. Like, but I heard Dan on a podcast one time say something along the lines of um, hunting to him is is learning a lot of different areas and and being successful in a lot of different areas. He's not the type of guy that was just you know hunt a piece of public one piece or a piece of private. And like, that's cool and all, but for him, but he likes to broaden his horizons. He likes to travel. He likes to, to experience different things. And, you know, I totally get that. Like that is, that's hunting to him. I'm not saying I don't like that. Um, but there's something to be said for me and maybe it's just because that's how I've it's you're a product of your own of your environment, right? So I brought I was brought up a, a private land hunter, and being pretty comfortable with with what I know, um, I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, but but I, I, you know, it took me a while to start killing deer consistently on situations uh, that I know. And but i I really believe now if you put me just about anywhere in the Midwest that I can figure it out in the right amount of time. Um I don't mean that I'm an expert by any means, but I feel like I've seen a lot of, of different ground and different terrain, whether it be private or, or public or I haven't seen a lot of public, but you know, a lot of different ground that I feel like I could come out of there with with a decent deer. Um but uh you know it's just it's it's uh it's tough it's like you said it being a process is 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 the number one key like if don't go running guns a blazing and and think you're going to get it done
1: night number one cuz it doesn't happen like that <laughs> oh no, i totally so, understand i mean i've been hunting this one piece of property for the last like uh 3 4 years and this this past two years, like I hit the same piece, like really hard, um, had it figured out and screwed up opening day. And then everything like blew up on me, but I couldn't, I, I completely understand like where you're coming from because like, there are so many deer and so many bucks that I would shoot out there that I couldn't, I had a hard time hunting elsewhere, leaving knowing all those deer were there and I just didn't make it happen. And I passed, you know, some Mm -hmm. small bucks, but I, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying of like, you've got all these deer like that. You already know, like, you know what they're going to do, you know, this, this piece had a bunch of pressure. So that's what was the, the deciding factor, but you've got that with your neighbors and other guys that hunt the property too. So, but I understand that whole thing of like, okay, okay. There's there's deer that are killable right here. Why am I going to go bounce around mm-hmm. and and do other stuff? Uh, but I think it's great to hear. Well, oh, go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say, like, you know, I I start to hear guys that are hunting, you know, the the manicured private lands, what or what whatever you feel like manicured is. You know, I guess that's in the eye of the beholder. Like, I I do hunt private ground that is, we put food plots on it. That's about it. You know what I mean? Like, if, if that's manicured to you, then so be it. But what I'm saying is, like, I'm a product of my environment. I've always thought it was cool to, like, track a deer from year to year and try to get to know that deer. Like, and honestly, I feel like I've learned more about deer doing that. Like, <laughs> you know, getting a buck to to three years old or watching him as a two-year-old, then a three-year-old and then hunting him as a three-year-old here in Michigan and then trying to kill him as a four-year-old. Like the buck that I killed last year in Michigan here, you know, I hunted him for two years and I had count encounters with him the first year. And then I ended up killing him, you know, the second year. And I'm like, man, that was so cool. And it was such an accomplishment. I'm like, wow, that was wild. Like, you know and it's just that's fun to me like it, I I don't know why I, I just like getting intimate with the deer and and being able to name them and like hey you know that's the big six or whatever it is or you know that's just cool like it's a character in the story in the story of the you know and it's it's just fun to see that and not to keep, not that you can't do it on public you can definitely do that people do that on public all the time and watch deer year over year but um there is also something to be said for, for me anyway, I don't deal with people walking in on my set and blowing me up very well, (laughs) (laughs) or driving up and 14 guys in the parking lot. Like when I go out to my property, my family farm, you know, a lot of times it's just, just me hunting or there's could be two other guys, you know, and it's, it's also fun for me to be like, hey, let's tag team this area. We're going to see this deer tonight. Somebody's going to see it, or somebody's going to get opportunity at, and you learn a lot that way as well. So, like, I like working as a team. Um, I don't know. That, that's just kind of my philosophy, though.
1: So, do you think some of that stems from your um, background filming? Because I don't. I mean, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think in the circles that I run with, unless you like miss a deer or, or something. And, you know, like you blew an opportunity or something like that, that like the word story comes into like, what was cool about, it. You, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Like when you say like, yeah. no, it, 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 it builds on the this, this story, do you think that that comes from like what you do? hundred percent,
2: because, uh, I'm going to take you back to 2000 and 2009 okay so i started filming when i was 16 which i can't remember how old or what year that was but um 2009 i started running trail cams the first first year of two in 2009 and i had one camera and it was a uh it was the i can't remember what it was but um i set it up in the summer not knowing what i was doing um and it, it was actually like a film camera still in 2009. I had like a, like I had filmed, I had to go. Anyhow, I set it up on a turnaround. We had a logging trail in our property that had a turnaround and the deer just loved to use this turnaround. It was in the middle of like a clear cut and it was like right in the epicenter and deer would just hit that and use it as a hub and kind of like clear, clear out. So I had it on there on August 18th. I got a picture of a buck and I'm like, you know, 2009 at this point I had the biggest deer I'd ever killed was a hundred inch eight pointer. And I'm like, wow, that's like a stud, you know, big deer. And I've never hunted out of state at this time. So I have this one camera and, uh, I didn't get to hunt a lot. I was playing college baseball at the time. So I was still trying to like go move or come from big rapids or Muskegon where I was and, and, and go home and hunt when I could and, uh, hunt got into the season and I was hunting, you know, trying to hunt this deer. Like I knew I had one picture of this deer and I'm like, I'm going to hunt that deer. Like I want to shoot that deer. So I'm hunting this deer, not seeing the deer I want to see. And I was hunting food plots in the timber. Like we put in food plots and not seeing them. And I'm like the light bulb moment just hit. And I was like, if I'm not seeing what I want to see, I'm going to move. And that was like a new thing for me. Like you, you just you set your stands and then you hunt them, you know. So on October, I think it was October 16th, I was home from a baseball game and I just went home and went to the property, and I moved a stand on the edge of a, a cedar swamp. And on the other side of the cedar swamp is where I had the camera, and uh, I was kind of on a hard edge. Looking back at it, I. I just thought it was a good spot. I didn't I didn't say, oh, this is a hard edge where it meets. I didn't know any of that at the time. And uh, I did a double set because I was always filming. Somebody was always filming me or I was filming somebody. October 18th, I go in and my brother-in-law came with me and he was going to run camera for me. And we're sitting there. He falls asleep and uh, just sitting. And all of a sudden, you know, it comes like an hour before dark. I just hear shh, shh. And I'm like, man, that sounds like a deer coming out of the cedar swamp. And I can hear him go and walking more. And he's walking like it at me. And uh, I wake my brother-in-law up. He gets up. He's filming. I'm like, there's a deer coming out of the cedar swamp coming at us. And the food was behind us. And the bedding, he was coming from the bedding. And all of a sudden, I just see front legs. It comes to the edge. And he's like, he's up in the cedar tree, just like curling in and making a scrape. I can't tell what he is. And I can just tell it's a buck and he takes a step out and I see his right side. And I'm like, oh, that's a shooter. Not knowing anything other than like, that's a shooter buck. So I get ready and he comes out and he comes right to 11 yards and he's coming right by me. And I go to full draw and I stop him and I shoot him. Arrow goes through him and he runs off 26 yards and, and watch him die on camera. First buck I ever killed on camera, big deer, huge deer. Okay. I'm like, oh my God, I'm losing it, losing it in the tree. We get down, walk over to him. It's the buck that I got on camera just on their side of the cedar swamp. And that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh my God. Right then, I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. He ended up taping out at 105 inches, got him literally like just a skull cap on my wall right here. I'll never, ever forget that deer. That deer, I paraded that deer around town like it was the biggest world record deer ever. Because at that time in our area, not a lot of deer were or people were killing deer like that. And uh, I thought I did something, I thought I made it, you know. So um, that like fueled the fire. So then, fast forward a couple of years, I get my first job with the Keepers. Okay. And Casey's biggest thing was like, like to. F- Find a deer and follow the deer the whole season, and it's that deer bust. And I was filming them the whole season. So we picked out a deer. I say picked out a deer, like it's a line of, no, there was a deer that you know there's a couple deer on the hit list, but there was this one he really wanted. It was 174-inch, just giant in Illinois. Hunted him like 23 days and ended up killing him on the on day 23. And I'm like, we had encounters with this deer, we were close, and then we finally killed him. I'm like God that is the way you do it like that is so cool. so yes that was a long-winded way of me saying like yes like this I was always story driven like let's create something here like you know it's so cool to be able to see the deer and like beat him at his own game beat him on his turf like that is the neat part about it um I don't know so yeah, it definitely stems from that like I just got bit by that bug at an early age and or early time in my hunting journey and you know, here it is now where I still kind of yearn for that. Like, I'm not like picking out a deer and like, I'm going to pick that, like shoot him or nothing. Like I'll pick out a couple deer if I got them. And it's like, whatever one shows up, I'll shoot them. But, you know, I,
1: I do like that storyline a little bit. And so how did that, um, has that shifted anymore since it it just kind of going back to those, you know, four or five does that you saw on public, like, did you have a different feeling about that than, than normal? Um, what do you mean by like just seeing those deer and like, well, so you would have shot one of those deer had they come out 100%, with, with no story, 100%. with no story, with no anything. Right. Like, so, well, I had a story just
2: because of, you know, going into the season filming and doing podcasts and stuff. It was like, The goal was this year. One of my goals was to kill a deer on public, so I did have that story. Now it wasn't a multiple year story, but like you know, I started I started scouting a piece of public back a year ago last you know last winter, and it was like that was the whole storyline when I was filming and doing podcasts. It's like I want to kill a deer on public, so I did have that story. I had that seed planted, so yeah, it was very cool to me. Like, let's have that payoff, but you know, it just didn't happen, but yeah, it definitely, I, it's something that's always in the back of my mind. And even when I'm thinking of like, I'll, I could be talking to Corey or Derek about filming or something. And it's like, man, like, how can we, how can we make this into a little more than just, you know, just a random deer showing up now, don't get me wrong. I, I'll shoot random deer all day. I've shot a lot of them. it's Like you have no idea that that is really cool too, because it's like, where the hell did you come from? You know what I mean? Um, and there, there's something to be said for that as well. But uh, th- I feel like there's always a story attached to something that I've killed or accomplished in the outdoor space. Like when I look at my walls of like, you know, there is a lot of stories, a lot of history in, in, of deer and, and turkeys that. Um, so, yeah, I am kind of chasing that story in there. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I kind of am,
1: I would say. Because I feel like every deer... I mean, that, that's the, that's the great thing about what we do as hunters, right? Is that, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, deer behind sheds and a b- box of small bucks over there, but you know, you can, you can pick up any one of those. You go to your hunting camp and you look at the antlers around the wall that st- start at this big and then they go oh, up to, yeah. to whatever, and you know, like. what happened. And, And, and even like on that track job that we just talked about, right. Is like in, in five years, that deer in 10 years may have grown brow tines. It may have, you know, done all sorts of, of different things. And you guys can sit there and Argue about like who was the first one who walked up on it <laughs> or or whatever, but it's still part of that that story, and it'll bring that smile back to your face being there, just just like that. I mean, I was I was going through some pictures recently, and there's a picture of me at 14 years old, and I, I only know that because that was the first year that I killed a buck because it was first year gun hunting, and I shot the smallest spike known to man. I won king buck at our (laughs) deer camp i didn't hunt that next morning went out the next night and because i had a doe permit, i shot a doe and i thought you know i'd been deer hunting for two years up to this point i'd bow hunted a little bit 12 13 14 and then with a gun it was just like this is so easy you know like (laughs) you just go out there and shoot them you know so i won like a hundred dollars from our king buck pull, because it, it wasn't the biggest buck. It was the first buck at that time. So I shot that
0: one opening morning at whatever time. And, you know, hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. MidwayUSA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24/7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com. Uh, but
1: I saw a picture of myself with this little tiny deer on the ground and I'm like got got these little tiny toothpick <laughs> antlers and you know, I'll it's just those stories that you don't ever forget, you know. So there's I I I see the, the story side of it. But I, I mean, every hunt has a, has a story. Uh, oh, regardless. definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's
2: just, it's about, you know, there's a couple of stories back when I was eight, eight years old, my dad took me bow hunt for the first time and I was just sitting with them. I can tell you that that night at what time a buck chased a doe it was a little five point chase a doe right underneath of us. And then, I mean, 30 minutes later, a red fox, the first fox I've ever seen in my life, ran right underneath of us then. And I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I remember that. And then uh, the next morning, it was a crispy morning. I He let me run the grunter, and he would tap me in the leg every time he'd want me to grunt. And i grunt. And then all of a sudden, this nine-point shows up, and my dad shoots him. And it's still hanging in our cabin. It's a, It's a rack that I'll have forever. Um, it's a skull cap with a tag on it. You know, it's like a, like a neon tag or something like that. And it was 1996 or something like that, dude. That's something I'll never forget. I could take you to the tree where we were sitting in and I could take you to the tree that that deer walked around to get to us. And I'm like, man, those are the things I just don't want to forget. Those are the cool like memories and the moments of like, that beats any big mammoth deer that I would ever kill. Like it just does. Like that, that's what molded me into who I am today and the hunter I am today. And like, those are the stepping stones. Those are the grassroots of everything. And I'm so glad my dad took the time to, to do that. When I was eight years old, I got a five-year-old daughter right now, and it's hard enough taking her out right now. And I want to like, just be, let's be quiet. You know, like, it's just, you know, it's hard, you know, and I thank him so much for doing that. And you know, and it's just going to make me better as a father too. doing that. Like, Hey,
1: this is these things you need to do. So it was, it was awesome. I, you know, the, I, th- I feel like those could be like some of the most like prolific words ever spoken on this podcast. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean honestly, like, you know, we, we come from the, a, a, a similar background from, uh, the the hunting side of it into yep. you know for you have having gone into the the hunting industry and filming and you know getting to see all these bigger deer and um you know being able to realize and appreciate that you know not instead of saying like well you know I, I want better for my kids so we're only shooting you know, 10 points or, you know, like, I feel like there's a lot of that, like with the youth hunt and, and stuff like 100%. that, where the, it's, it's a, I don't know, it, everything's a big buck contest and, and and we take away from the, you know, what really, what really matters and, and it is like, like I say to me, you, you know, you said the best part about hunting with all those big buck killers and all those guys and is tracking a six point through the swamp right like so much fun because that those experiences are are what it's about it and you know i don't know if you um feel the same way but like me going back and um doing that that elk camp and you know you know ultimately killing elk with a rifle but then going up and having our our Patreon camp, um, you know, over the last few years, I've been doing a lot of hunting by myself. You go into these nasty spots and like, you know, you're, you're out kind of by yourself or whatever. And, and you know, the last couple of deer, like I've had to call people to come help me or it was, you know, I, I'm out there by myself. And so you shoot a deer and it's like, awesome. Now my hunt's over and I got all this work to do and I don't have anybody to share it with. I, and right into, to, to, to have that, you know, the camaraderie and everything that surrounds um is is awesome. Like that, you know, that kind of revitalized that in me of like what what it is that I loved about hunting, and it's so much more than the the killing, right? Yeah, and you know, it's something that I've
2: asked some friends from Iowa that grew up in Iowa, and it's not just because it's Iowa, but it could be you know that I just asked them, but. I'm so glad that I grew up here in Michigan. I'm so glad that my family was fortunate enough to have land. I was so glad we were fortunate enough to have a deer camp that we congregate at um, the night before opening day, the camaraderie, hearing your first F-bomb when you're seven. You know, like... I'm so glad that I went through that and that was the first stages I got into because I've asked my buddies that are in Iowa, Illinois, like, you know, they just, I almost feel like, you know, I I almost feel like I wouldn't say spoiled. Like I, I don't want to say that because they're not spoiled. They're, you're a product of your environment. If I was, you know, grew up in Iowa and everything like that too. Like you just know no different. Like it's just what it is, but I'm telling you, like, you can't tell me our upbringing when we were younger is better than a lot of theirs. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I want people, I've brought people to my deer camp that have you know, not Michigan people to my deer camp here. And it's nothing immaculate. We built it ourselves. And, but it's got like deer mounts all over. Um, you know, it's a, a log cabin back in the woods. It sleeps 16, but it's like, they come in there and they're almost like, Oh my God. Like, it's ran by a generator, you know, and it's like, this is awesome, you know, and I'm just, I just see the look on people's faces. I'm like, man, you don't know what this, if you could be a fly on this wall for the last, we built that camp in 2000, I think, so 23 years. Um, If you could be a fly on that wall and all the Euchre games that got played and all the stories that got told, now that is where I'm at. Like, I want to go relive that because I see... My dad getting older i see my uncle getting older i see you know my dad's best friend two best friends that are part of the camp they're getting older and it's just different you know it's it's like it's you know they they take four wheelers to the blind now which is fine but they're older now and that's what they got to do but it's like i remember archie one of the guys he used to sit in a tripod stand and uh just with wool on you know he's just like wear green and flannel flannel wool and sit all day opening day for the first three days. It doesn't matter the freaking weather. There was no roof over his head. That's what he did. You know, and he killed two bucks every year doing that. And I'm like, that is fucking cool. You know, like that is, that's what I grew up with. That was awesome.
1: Yeah. And, you know, similarly like our deer camp, but at the same time, you know, so many people, um, I, I mean, when I went up there, like when I killed that Michigan 11 point up there, Uh, I think there was 11 guys in camp. There was guys sleeping in the living room. There's all the bunk beds are full. People were sleeping out in a travel trailer that we had, but you'd share meals together. You'd, you know, everybody would, would hang out and there wasn't even enough room for everybody to hunt on the property. People would go out to public and they would switch it up after the, the first few days. But, but the same thing, you know, Kids started getting older, going to mm-hmm. having sports, you know uh, other things other priorities and you know it it is and and I loved that you know you guys were able to do that, and we did did the same thing and had a had a deer camp this year and I, it it wasn't like planned like oh this is going to be the year of the deer camp, but i think I think for a lot of people it's like what they needed, and I feel like like oh, yeah. for me it was it was very um you know, revitalizing, um, from, from that standpoint. So uh, it's, and to do it, um, uh, differently, you know, cause like you said, you bring in people to your deer camp, but it's, you're so, um, I don't want to say jaded, but it's just, normal to you like that's what you do normal. in deer camp yep. and people are like yep. blown away by it and then so to go to somebody else's deer camp or to start your own deer camp or whatever and uh and and see that you can have you know a very similar experience with guys that you never hunted with before because you all have similar mindsets and you all have the same like goals ultimately. Uh, I think that's really cool. And I think it, it's inspirational to guys who, you know, haven't done it before and think that they need, they that they have to do it in a certain type of way, or they have to have a quote unquote, a place to go. Right. Right.
2: And it almost brings back, like when I went up to that deer camp, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, a lot of guys were tent in it and I actually got like a truck bed that goes like it's an inflatable that goes in your back seat I'm glad I did that because that was awesome but it, I didn't you know I just it was great just to have it I'd sleep in my truck and but it was cool the campfire it just brought back so many memories of like you know this is just how it was brought I was brought up and it wasn't it wasn't it it brought back that it wasn't about the size of the deer It was about the camaraderie it was about how many laughs could we have how many beers could you drink not that it was you know it it was no shotgun of beers or nothing like that but you just you just bullshit with people that you just met less than five hours ago about like-minded activities in the hunting world and have fun over a campfire and i don't know man that's just where that's that's some of the best friendships were made by campfires and deer camp. I can tell you that. And
1: one of the things I wanted to talk to you about um, was like your gear, like your hunting gear for this year. Did you switch anything up? Did you change anything going out on those hunts uh, on public? Um, and was there anything that you, even just for all your hunting this year, that, uh, that you really liked or that was different or something that you're like, yeah, I tried this and it's not for me?
2: Yeah. Um, I switched up my boots. Um, I needed to get new hiking boots or new I bought crispy Thor two boots. Um, I had to go on a sheep hunt this year for work and I needed to get new mountain boots and I bought those and they're uninsulated, but, uh, they just, they just doubled well as, you know, early season. Whitetail boots really like those. Um, the other thing is I went to a full sicka. um, uh, system. And I really liked it. Um, I know it gets a lot of bad flack, but I can tell you there's something to be said for feeling athletic when you're hiking like crazy and, you know, having the right gear. Um, I really liked the fact that like, I could go on that website and I could pick out like an early season suit and kind of, you know, that it's there's an application for that. You can pick out a, a mid season suit. There's an application for that. I like that. Um, the pack system, I, I, ugh, dude, I went through so many packs this off season to try to figure out what was the right one. And I landed on the Everly stock bandit, it's 835 cubic inches, I think. Um, it worked out great this year. I would, there's one thing I would change about it. I wish it had, which I, I can, it, they, you can buy one for it but a hip belt i'll do a hip belt but honestly man after ata mystery ranch the treehouse 20 i can see myself probably switching to that i didn't think it'd get much better than that bandit but um the treehouse 20 might be in my near future uh from from mystery ranch um other than that gear wise what did i hate trying to think vinyl harness so since 2019, I've ran a mars or a marsupial vinyl harness, the one that's got like magnetic. They're great. They're literally, in my opinion, probably the best vinyl harness out there. But I, I tried to tried to go real more or like minimalist this year, and that just wasn't working for me. I basically threw it in the corner and I bought a twenty five dollar um, vinyl harness from uh, uh, Bow Spider. I think it was literally they are like just cords and put my binos on there there's they don't fit anything and i'm like okay well if it starts raining what should i do there you know so i bought a rain rainfly from marsupial it's like 25 bucks and it's just like a little rainfly that goes right over your binos so every time it rained i could fold it up and put it right in my pocket i'd pull it out just put it there and then it would protect my binos and that's what I did. That was the biggest change. And honestly, that was a good one. It, they were so comfortable. It wasn't like there was a big bulky thing on your chest and uh very athletic feeling. So that was that was a big change for me. But nothing uh, other than that, nothing I really maybe didn't or disliked or anything like that. I will say since Latitude's come out with their new sticks, I can tell you the sticks I was using are very obsolete. <laughs> and <laughs> you know? what ones were you using? I was using the Novix minis, uh, which are very good sticks. Like they stack together well, they, they're light enough. You know, I was using the mini single steps. Um, I do have the double steps as well, but I was using the single steps because I'm trying to get as light as I could. Uh, But now that the latitude six out, man, those are, those are fun to play with.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on some of those real I I should have just went to 80. I didn't realize, um, well, I thought it ran into the weekend and it didn't. I I, I know I could have just went down like midweek and it would have been fine. Um, I had the time, everything, but I didn't want to like go on vacation, like leave my daughter for, you know, three, four days, like immediately. And then be like Monday we're flying out. So like that was just kind of like on me, but, um, I'm gonna be talking to those guys because I I don't know if you saw like their prototypes last year at the um, Total Archery Challenge. So I got I, I saw like the shape and everything what it was gonna be, and talked to those guys all the, the whole time leading up to it. And then when we went down to the Mobile Hunting Expo, like I got the whole story on like all the changes and all <laughs> yeah. the things and why yep. it didn't come out. So. Um, uh, so other than those and that, uh, tree house pack, was there anything else that, that was at ATA that was like, this is, this is going to be cool. I mean, there was a lot of stuff from, um, you know, XOP from lone wolf custom gear. There was, uh, the, uh, live streaming. Like, okay. So I don't want to get the cell cams Yeah, If you want to do that, I, I've got
2: yeah. enough beer. I got enough beer. We can get into that. Yeah, Um, I don't want this to, to sound like a like partner plug because they are a partner of mine, but um, the new Helix FJ4, single bevel broadhead, but it's got bleeders now. Um, actually, hang on just a minute. I'm going to do a shameless plug if you don't mind. On oh, the yeah, podcast. please do. So here's this FJ4, okay? So it's got quarter-inch bleeders, and they're uh, beveled on the one side, and they are sharp as sharp as glass Uh, i mean they're very sharp Uh, so i used these heads this year on both of my deer and one of the things that they were getting a lot of feedback from on the fj2 is the original just the single bevel was that a lot of people weren't getting blood with them so they decided to try to combat that and these right here i shot them all fall and Yes, there's a lot more blood and they are very, very accurate. These things are quiet through the air and they are more accurate than the FJ2. So, my biggest concern with these was with a single bevel, how it's only beveled on one side, would these bleeders contradict the bevel? No, they do not. And how it's cut and where the bevel's at, it continues, it is able to continue still, still uh, move through the animal. So, Dude, that was another big, um, talk at ATA was that, that head, um, I did shoot a bow, one bow. I shot a prime RevX, and oh my God, <laughs> that thing was nice. Um, and I, I shot it, uh, just because of, uh, 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 buddy just was like, Hey, you need to go try this bow out. shot it. Wow. It, it was, it was really nice. Um, other, other I didn't look at a lot of different. Uh, I didn't walk around. I I spent a lot of time in the lati- latitude booth and a lot of time in the Helix booth, just because I, I recorded like eleven podcasts too in the Helix booth. So I was spending a lot of time back and forth between those two booths. Um, but the buzz was latitude, man. The, those sticks like took over ATA. Uh, it was it was pretty crazy um, to see the buzz around those and how many people were in the booth all the time. It was it was pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah, I just uh I'm gonna get into it with them. Um but one of the things um that I get frustrated with at ATA um is like we'll we'll use Lone Wolf Custom Gear um as an example. Um, it just because I, I feel like it was kind of one of the things that I'd seen online that people were talking about is even when they brought their first stands to ATA, like four years ago or whatever, um, there was no seats. There was, it was like, they weren't quite finished. Like they were ready mm-hmm. to go into production. Um, and ATA is like a buyer's show. So people if they were going to stock them, you know, in these archery shops and things like that, they would put in orders and everything like that and you couldn't see like yep. the finished product and that's kind of what I saw on their climber. It was missing the seat portion. And they're saying, "Okay, well, we're going to have a seat that does this and we're or we're going to have put like a one of the Hayesmore like mash type seats in there too." but without having it there, it's like, is it really ready to place orders for, um, Mm -hmm. and I think, again, I think that we, myself and, and a lot of the listeners are somewhat in an echo chamber. Like there's lots of things that are at shows like that, that get completely missed that the target archery world is like, it's, you know, turning it on its head or,
0: Check out midwayusa.com.
1: Muddy redneck blind or tripod stand or something wild and innovative there that nobody really is concerned about. But I think for us and the circles that we run in, our, our listeners who are these mobile hunters or, or whatever, they're looking for that product. And now these companies that are there, they're trying to make this big splash there. Um, Right. Did you check out that new tethered saddle? Like, I I think that that, I think it's going to be expensive, uh, but I really like kind of like the way that that shapes up. So
2: I, Greg Litzinger got in one and I was picking his brain a lot about it. I didn't go over and actually get in one. I kind of sat there as, you know, watched some guys get into it. The only thing that I really, (laughs) I totally get what they're trying to do, but to me, for a saddle, like, I don't like the yoke system. Like, I understand you can take it off, you know, um, it, it almost looks like a, like a, um, like a small game vest to me. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like the thing you got to understand though. I, I, when I saddle hunted 11 years ago with a trophy line ambush, I think it was an ambush called or something like that. I cut every strap off it, but the belt, like I didn't like straps, um, the latitude method too. I don't use the leg straps. Like I don't, I don't want anything extra. Uh, I use two pouches this year and I really probably should only use one. I didn't even use the other one. If I could get away with no pouches, I'd use no pouches. So like it just, for me. And what I like to do, I just I just it's a it's a lot, you know what I mean. Um I didn't really care for the elastic, uh how the the um how it's an expandable uh seat or whatever. And they even said like you know, that's gonna wear out, like, but you know, you can buy buy new elastic. I'm like, well, that's kinda you know, like that's kinda contradictory, I I feel like, but I, I'm sure it's going to be a nice product. Um, it looks good. You know, they've they've definitely got the look down.
1: Uh, just for me and how I hunt, though, like, it's just a little too much for me. What's interesting that you would say that just from your perspective, because the guys that I, I mean, we've got one uh, one of our patrons who tried for years and years and years to work on like a battle belt system so that he didn't have to bring a pack so that he could just, okay, you know, and he hates pouches and hates it. And so he's trying to go like as minimalist as possible. And so when you were talking about removing the binal harness and trying to go like a, a minimal system, it's like they kind of built everything in there. And then like, I've got a couple of different saddles that have the elastic, uh, in, in the bottom to expand the panels. And then like cruiser has their pleated one that folds open both yep. ways. Um, And it is kind of wonky, um, to when you, because it's essentially like that, that trophy line ambush that you, that you had, you know, how deep and how much material is there. Oh yeah. And so that's what the cruiser does is it, it folds out to that or folds back in and it's just, uh, sewing or pressing to, to make it fold like that. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, well, they just kind of took that design and said, well, how do we make it a little bit more seamless so you don't have to freaking fiddle around with it? Um, it? So I I get it, but like I think – and what's interesting to me is um, how uh, Timber Ninja also went to a hard uh, pouch, and that's kind of like what Tethered had, too, is they said, okay, well – we're going to make it hard up against your hips and so that it's not, you know, flopping around. I think that that's what a lot of guys have issue with, with the, with the pouches is like, when you take the saddle off, they're freaking everywhere. And right back in the day,
2: trophy line had a hard pouch and I had hard pouches on my original ambush. And I, I didn't, I don't know. I I didn't really care for the hard pouch and I didn't try out Timber ninjas. Um, I don't know how much give they have to them, but really like even the latitude pouch that I have, it doesn't flop around that much. You know what I mean? Um, and, and honestly, when you put a little, when you put your bridge or not your bridge, but your, uh, your lineman's rope back in it, it kind of puts weight in it. So it kind of like holds it there. Uh, I like something that, like, if I'm going to brush up against it, I'd rather have it collapse than move, if that makes sense. You know, if you're kind of trying to move slowly or something like that, I'd rather have it just kind of, like, move out of the way than just, like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the hard pouches, they, they have structure to them, so they just, you know, it might be more of a jerky move. That might be, I might be looking way too far into that, but that's just where
1: my head's at. Well, now that you say that, I mean, I think about that, like, I mean you're You're from Michigan, so you've hunted a a red pine tree at some point, and mm-hmm. when you bump into it, I can see exactly what you're talking about that hard how hard pouch is gonna go mm-hmm. and and pull that that bark away yeah. from it where the other one might just get hung up on it or kind of just swing on roll over yeah yeah, yep, that's kind of where my head's at, yeah, so like i say w- when I'm looking at this, the stuff from the show and i I, I don't disagree with you um. That uh did you get to see that red line sight that torch bow site? I didn't
2: no, I did hear about it, but I never did get to see it what uh what was the whole buzz around that? Did you hear anything about it
1: uh, I've seen the videos and stuff like that, and I think one of the main things is that uh it has like a rechargeable light in it, so you can okay. you can plug in your u s b and charge it up. And so I I was kind of talking to my wife, like as the products were coming out and one of the things that I like from, uh, like our positioning as like when we started the podcast and the companies that are, that are coming in at this time is that like, you know, I've worked with these companies, you know, for, for the last couple of years. And so number one and number three for the new innovative products that, at ata are these companies that like i've talked with like with redline when they first came out i got one of their sites it might be this site behind me and i had a kind of like a problem with it and i was like they're like well hey let me put you in touch with this guy who designed it and so then I'm talking to him and like I mean, we were at our Bowman's Club and John had it like completely apart down to like the ball detents and we actually turned the scope upside oh, down to rebuild it to try to see if we could John fix John would do that. <laughs> to see if we could like fix the problem that we perceived as a problem. But I I mean, I was talking with their designer in Montana um about like what was what was going on and why it was like that. Um so it was it was great to see them do that. And I think that that's what it is. And like I say, I was talking to my wife and saying like, you know, there's all these site companies that have been out for a long time and to have something be oh, yeah. innovative, you know, it's either like outside of the box thinking or people like, I mean, you know, I, I've got nothing but good things to say about Chris ham and HHA and like their products and, and everything. But it's like, you know, I was talking to him recently and he's like, yeah, we're just not doing, um, rests anymore or, you know, some of the other stuff, they're just kind of sticking to the sites and making the best site that they can kind of just, you know, doing what they do well. And I think that maybe there's like a fear, uh, from like trying to do something that's maybe would be perceived as unnecessary, you know? Yeah. Like, is, is, are you running an HHA or are you running a red line? so I ran all the red line stuff, uh, last year and hunted with it, uh, shot it at, uh, ATA. Uh, but one of the, I mean, and this torch light thing kind of, um, like solves the problem that I had. Cause like, when I was, when I was there, I was, uh, when I was talking to the guy on the phone, I was talking to him about like, the fiber that was in the sights and the light that came with it. And he's like, you know, would you rather have a brighter light or better fiber? Cause the price mm-hmm. to do one or the other, and every one of their sites comes with a light. So they're like, well, we just didn't upgrade the fiber and put a light in there so that everybody can use the light. Well, shooting indoors, uh, for my league, it, it doesn't pick up enough light and I've got the smaller pins. So, I'm not able to see the pins enough. So having a, you know, a rechargeable, completely lighted housing in sight would solve that problem. But I swapped over to, I shot my first week with the H or with the red line and I was like, oh yeah, this doesn't have bright enough fiber. I'm going to swap back over to the HHA. So I just put the HHA back on for that very reason. So. Oh, okay. I got you.
2: What do you, what do you lean more towards? What do you, what do you like more right now?
1: Well, so where I, where I live in this, uh, podcast outdoor space is it's, it's it's hilarious uh, because you and I have these, <laughs> have these conversations about money, right? Like the HHA oh, God, site that I have time, dude. <laughs> is, is, you know, five or six hundred dollars, right? And so, wow. and I'm wow, it's that much. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I shoot a Garmin, though, I guess. <laughs> but the but like the Redline makes a dove a dovetail three pin slider that's like a hundred and fifty bucks, and I think they have a single pin that's right at like about one thirty, like somewhere mm-hmm. in that range, and so. It's about what is adequate or what, you know, so I can tell you right now that, like, the HHA site, I like the fiber better, and it has, like, a little bit more solid build, but I think the difference is, is that, like, the HHA stuff seems to be, like, 100%, like, machined aluminum, like, crazy beautiful machining and everything like that. And the red line stuff is when I got it, I was very, very impressed that it wasn't plastic. I've had other sites that were a more inexpensive, um, uh, slider because it was like, I'm going to shoot total archery challenge. I need something that I can dial it out there. I want to be able to shoot, you know, a hundred yards or, or whatever. And it was polymer. And I'm like, I'm going to absolutely, destroy this thing like my my (laughs) bow i mean john hates my bow all the bolts are rusty on it it's usually like frozen to my case it's freaking like i stepped on i broke the capture off of the um the rest it's missing the little side weight because it's a bow tech it's missing the side weight because that's gone Um, because I hunted, I hunt super hard with it. I mean, I shoot it and make sure that it's still on, but I'm not like out there, like babying it. And I mean, I don't know. So tell me this.
2: So you're not the guy that comes in from like a hard hunt. Like, let's say you're hunting all day. You're not the guy that comes in and like wipes it down with a wet rag and stuff like that.
1: No, no. My, I mean, yeah, that, that's me. (laughs) No, like my, my. I'm the, like, epitome of the guy who's, like, like all the memes. That's, like, first day of season, last day of season. Like, all my gear is, like, perfect. Now my gear is, like, freaking, like, my pants are frozen because I wa- walked through water, threw them in the back of my truck, and then they're frozen the next morning. Like, <laughs> I love it. And But it's, it, I just wanted to, to make sure that, like, that site was going to be Every, live up to like you know. I didn't break anything off. Of it. I sure. think I, I think I lost like the rubber piece off of the. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 this is kind of how it goes. Like so, I get into shoot leagues this year, and uh, I'm missing the the top the the plunger that glows on the light. Like I don't know where it's at. It's gone. So the light doesn't work. I was actually taking a uh, field point and poking it down so I could turn it on. But if you if you go back to the year prior, uh, I got to the first day of our indoor league, and I go to level my bubble on my site, and the bubble's just missing. The level's gone. Like, the, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, this isn't this isn't oh like gosh. Uh, it's, it's it's not like a, a new thing for me to. To go and try and do stuff like that after after the season, like I guess
2: I guess the way I look at it is like
1: I get so paranoid.
2: Like, okay, let's say something stupid little like that. Like, let's say you know you needed that light and the plunger was gone, and it might cost you a deer. I get paranoid that it might like something so minuscule could cost me an opportunity. That's why I'm like. You go look at my bow right now. I've had it since 2019. It looks like it just came off the showroom. And it's because, yeah, I, I take it through a lot of shit. I did a spot and sock this year in a muddy bean field, and it was caked full of mud. But I brought that home, took the site off of it, and I took Q-tips. And I'm literally, like, in every crevice, like, getting the mud out of it. Like, I don't know. I just... uh that's just me, I guess. Well, I, I hunted my, my binoculars, I've hunted with them for six years. They look like you could put them right back on the, the shelf at Jay's and they'd sell,
1: you know. <laughs> it's it's funny. Mine are right here and uh I used them all season and didn't have any issues. I brought them to uh a photo shoot for Huntworth. And The other guy that was doing the photo shoot, he's like messing around with my binoculars and he's like, Do you know this is broken? Like the the eyepiece is like broken. I'm like, Oh, whatever. So I, I sent him in and I just got him back. And but that, it, oh my gosh, but I'll, I'll tell you this what I was going to say is we need to, tr- it, we need to treat we need to teach you a little
2: more discipline. I,
1: <laughs> but it, it, everything to me is like that. Like, I, I just. Go and do and do and do, and so like that's why, and I think that's why people will ask me like gear questions because like I'm not the maintenance guy, I'm the the user guy. I'm the I'm not the you, you would be like who they build these things for. Like they're like, yeah, everybody's going to take this home. They're going to clean it and everything's going to be fine. And I'm the actual guy that's (laughs) using it. And I'm not saying that you're not using your gear, but I'm saying like, I bet you there's more guys like me that go out there and just throw it back in the case and frick, you know, we'll, we'll deal with it later. Like I said, I, I shoot my bow to make sure that it's still on to make sure that it's, you know, that's still flying right. And I'll shoot, uh, Broadheads, a couple times through the season, just to make sure, like, nothing, and especially, like, I, I can tell you right now that, uh, when I go shed hunting, I gotta find one of my arrows because it's come out of my quiver, uh, in this field. And, like, I, I have a pretty good idea of where it was, like, when I noticed that it was missing. Oh um, my God. but, but that, I mean, that's it's very standard for me. <laughs> um, but what I was gonna say though is,
3: like, oh, after. Hilarious.
1: I hunted opening day of rifle uh, with my compound, mm-hmm. and I think that was the last day that I hunted with a compound. And I hunt, I hunted with a, a recurve or a longbow the rest of the year. And like from like a maintenance standpoint, that might be like where I should live. Like there's
2: not a whole lot, to- <laughs> not a lot of moving parts on that
1: one. Right, <laughs> and you know the guys that I've uh, talked to, one of the when we went out to Idaho, that guy is. Uh, um, Traditional bow hunter and that's all he uses, and uh, that's what he says. He says I just put extra string in my pocket, and he's hunted. I mean, he's killed grizzly bears and moose and everything with it.
2: But there's something like- to be said about that traditional game, dude. I want to, I want to, I want to dip my toe in the traditional game so bad. Um, but I got a feeling that I would get bit pretty hard to where. Like if I dive into something, it's a hundred or nothing. Like, like I'd feel like I'd get bit pretty hard, and then I'd, I'd 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 practice so much at it, and then I would get it out, go hunting, and then the biggest deer of my life would be at forty yards, and it's like, oh, here's a shot in the dark. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't, I do not want that scenario.
1: Oh, you I'll, know? I'll tell you, it. You want to talk about feeling like a freaking, like you were that day when you were eight years old and those deer running around you. Like I had, I had three opportunities. Um, and two of them were very, very good opportunities. And the fricking bow got me. I mean, Mm -hmm. like the first, the, I think it was the first day that I took that bow out to hunt. Uh, I had, the deer didn't do exactly what I wanted them to do, but they, everything was within what I needed to happen. And I just, the bow was too long. I brought the bow up to draw and the end of the bow got caught in some vines and the deer uh. seen the vines move. Um, cause I like kind of got hung up and mm-hmm. then I had another couple deer circle around me and, uh, knew something was up and they, I mean, we're talking six, eight yards here, you know, Ooh. and these two were on the ground. And then finally I got up in a tree and the deer did not do what they were supposed to do, but they still came in and I could have taken a shot at 20 and they were coming right towards me. Uh But I ended up being skylined and like, it was just everything that you hoped for when you were 12 years old. Like just the, do- I, like I said on that podcast with Chris Ham, I was like, I was like, man, I really want to do a social experiment. I want to shoot a three-point with uh, this traditional bow, and I want to put a big, giant grip and grin of me without the bow, without anything, without any story, just saying, finally got it done this year. So happy. Watch everybody shit all over me, and then show them that I did it with a... Because that's, that's where it changes in people's percent oh, like, narrative. Um, but all that to say like because of my uh i I, and i have a pretty nice longbow and it's expensive like expensive enough that i don't want to have to replace it so um i kind of make sure that that thing is is in good shape like i'm doing everything (laughs) (laughs) he's sleeping with it in your bed no your wife's getting sick of it no it's I I try to make sure. That, I mean, I'm I'm asking the right questions to the right people. Like, how long can I have it strung? Like, wh- you know, I, if I'm shooting it every day, like, do I gotta unstring it every time? Like, because we had one hanging in our basement forever. That it's, it was a uh, three piece fiberglass one, and uh, the limbs like delaminated and broke on it when I was a kid. Oh, uh, yep. so, uh, You know, I don't know anything about them, but but yeah, that, to me the when i get gear like i want to i want to use it until it breaks um because uh, like i said i i feel like that i got like whatever and i'm using like shit i can't use this i can not you know i got, i got a question for you i'm going to i'm going to become host now mm-hmm. um
2: this year cuz you do you you use a lot of different gear could be anything what is the best piece of gear that you use this year As far as could be from, you know, just like, it could be from just like a well-built standard that it just performed well every time, um, taking it, whatever it might be. And what was the, what was the worst gear? I I wouldn't say the worst, but what was the one that maybe you were a little disappointed on? Like you were hoping it was going to perform better and maybe it didn't.
1: So this year was the first year that I really hunted from a, a uh, a platform, um, mainly because, because of like Patreon and the amount of saddles and the amount of equipment that I have. Um, if those guys want something to try, I just send it to them Mm because I got other stuff. And, um, I, I used, so I'd been using the trophy line wingman and that comes with all of its, um, problems i knew that going into it but i don't i didn't like setting up a platform um i like just go set your last stick it's got a platform on the top and i started using the artisan outdoor fabrication one when they first came out then trophy line came out with the wingman and I, i ran into a bunch of situations this year where it's always in the wrong spot and but i used a platform i used the trophy line edp platform which is yep. rock solid. And I use the battle ax platform from wild edge. He sent me one of those and I, I made a video on it, but I kept calling it the battlement platform, which <laughs> is their saddle. So I didn't do anything with it. Um, so I got to redo that video. Um, but I really like that platform. I hunted with that, like the first, I don't know, probably 10 sits of the season. Um, and then I hunted with the, uh, I, then I lent that one out and then I used the, uh, EDP like when I was in Ohio for a couple different sits, and that was pretty cool um I really did like that and those aren't like any sort of like new products um man bow hangers like it's like the bane of my existence it's like one it doesn't matter if I use the latitude one if I use the one from tubor which I like there um you're you're saying the gear straps yeah um yeah the 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 tethered one um uh, the oh man, BK one like it's. it's... Yes, I used that one this year. I mm-hmm. was just going to look that
2: up. I like that one. I I doubled that with uh, with the
1: uh, latitude gear strap. It would it's called the BK? Is that it's a Michigan uh, it's, it's, Yeah, BK Industries. He's right here in uh, Muskegon. And it's, dude, uh, I I really that, like the jawbone. Mm-hmm. The, the that, jawbone. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, I really I really like that product.
2: I don't know if I'll ever switch because it's it keeps your bow so close to the tree and it's just like literally just grab and, and you're good you know what i mean in it
1: and i mean shit it only sticks out from the tree like four inches maybe so like, with that latitude strap do you have it run because that jawbone you can run a couple of different ways do you have it run through it and then through it then tighten it up yep i didn't want it to like I, this kind
2: of goes back to like i didn't want anything to ruin a opportunity so I, I ran it right through it and just was like so every time i spool it up and put it in my pouch i just like wrap around my hand and then put it in there and it just all goes
1: in there. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just hate that process. And I'm from like the old school, of just screwing in shit to the trees. And like, since we started the podcast and I realized that you're really not supposed to do that. I haven't done that once. And I was going to say, you're a big public land guy. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I I'm telling you, like I haven't. So I been I've used every single freaking gear strap um, known to man. And he's got a harness system that goes with that. It's called the goat. And, okay. uh, it's you can actually use it as a saddle belt and then take it off and then hook it on the tree. Oh, and, nice. Uh, I didn't know it, that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty slick and it works well with the jaw one. I, I like that um hook, but the strap, the actual strap that goes around the tree is like where my disdain lies. Um but I bought so <laughs> I've got the bee sticks. I put the uh cable laters on them. I really liked them but they started squeaking. Um Ooh. and I talked to in the sticks, have washers. They don't I, I could I can't figure out where they're squeaking. I'm, I I was thinking it was where the uh cable were at the bottom, but it's always when I'm on the top of the stick. Mm-hmm. And there isn't washers in there because uh it they're machine to slide right on there. That's what holds them in to index them. And there's two bolts, um, one inside and then one that holds the uh, the standoff on there. And yep. I was getting some squeaking there. But I had three of those with three uh, cable aters. I don't like – I bought the cable from uh, Eastern Woods Outdoors. Love the aters. Uh I don't like how they don't allow the sticks to stack as well as they would because of the length of the bolt that's on there. Um, it's just the head of the bolt. Um, it's just, it's one of those like things where I'm not, I told you, I'm like not meticulous about the gear, but what I liked about the B sticks is the way that they stack and how, like how that all goes together. And this year, like they really pissed me off. And then, so sight unseen, as soon as Dan launched his top stick platform, uh, I bought one and I ran that artisan outdoors, uh, platform on beast sticks. I ran it for I think a season and a half uh, so much so that it actually bent the the tube on the standoff uh, oh, on man. the on the beast stick um, which I didn't have any problems with. I sent that back to Mario. He sent me a new one like I just sent him a picture of it and uh, he sent it to me. No problem. So I got these smaller beast sticks. They came out with a top stick platform. I bought one stick a solid stick because i had the problem with the 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 bending so i was like well this is shorter i'm sure dan did all of his um like cad programming with pressure and everything to make sure that it was going to be okay um but i've done the real world testing on a very similar product on this tube and it bent so i'm just going to err on the side of caution and bought that one, and when it showed up, man. So the prices that they had on them for Black Friday, I think, were more indicative of like where the price point should be. Uh, buying the stick and which the stick is like, I don't know, eighty bucks or something like that. With that platform thing was like, I don't know, one hundred seventy-five bucks, two hundred bucks, or something. That's like three hundred dollars. a platform. Yeah, and it's very small. I mean, tiny. And I know I understand that it's uh, you know, machined aluminum and all the stuff and it's got uh some threaded holes in it and there's a lot of shit that goes into making it. Like I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like for like it was right around three hundred dollars or whatever that I paid for it. Um it was underwhelming from what I my yeah. expectation now they did a very good job the way the, my beef with the trophy line sticks when you say the novick sticks they stack all that well i was running the doubles i ran those with the wingman as a, a system because i was as much as i liked the b sticks two years ago for all of last season i sold my b sticks because i knew i liked them so much that i would use them so I got the Novick sticks to run with the wingman as a system. I don't like the way that they stack because they don't stack out. They stack up. Um mm-hmm. And then the wingman has to be on the outside. So now it's even taller. Now the way That's that the, the B sticks, it allows it to go the other way. So it, it stacks just exactly the way that I would want them to. Um They did a phenomenal job on that. I did get a little bit of squeaking um, on the platform. While I was on it, um, which I don't know if it, it it's surprising to me because I don't I know what Dan expects out of like his stand, and there is some things like maybe I didn't tighten it up enough here. I tightened it up as tight as I thought that I could. Um, there is a little bit of flex in it, which is fine, um, but I also think that. Dan's never going to saddle hunt out of it, so maybe the product is an afterthought of like this okay. is what people want, and the people that are using it or testing it for him or whatever. I don't. I don't know, but so that was a product where I was like, I was like, man, it's it's uh, it's what I asked for, but not what I expected, I guess. And then for the price, but like they had them for like. 79 bucks or a hundred bucks for black friday i was like shit i should have waited for that but Mm -hmm. it was but i i mean i hunted all day sits out of it in ohio um it it was okay i mean i was really more impressed with the the other platforms than that one and when you get them all set up like it really doesn't matter um, for me, as far as like all day sit, yeah, it's nice to be able to stand up a little bit, but it doesn't, it's it's neither here nor there. Um, uh, but like it was, like I said, getting that little bit of squeak in there was frustrating.
2: Yeah. That, that definitely would frustrate me too. Did you
1: ever get the X wing from latitude? No. Uh, so that's the thing is like, those guys are like, Oh, we'll get you one, blah, 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 blah. And I just don't. And I feel like, those guys do so much for me, um, that I, I I'm not just gonna call them and be like, hey man, I thought we were going I thought I was gonna get a platform from you, because <laughs> yeah, right. I've got all this other stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so much so that I'm letting other people use it. It's not like I can't hunt without it, and it's not like I want to bother them, just you know, for my own benefit, you know. I will say that I was when I first
2: saw it. Get launched at ata last year i think that's when it was um i was like skeptical i'm like man i don't know if that's something that i would be into and then my first experience with it with it was at tac and greg litzinger was with us and greg's like dude this thing is the cat's pajamas so i got in a saddle and and stood in in the booth there for a little while and i'm like okay i could I could, I could maybe, you know, get into something like this and, but I didn't, you know, you don't put it through the paces until you get it in the field, dude, I'll tell you what, it's light, it's packable. Um, and it is so comfortable. Like it, like it took every like skeptic out of my brain. Like I was like, this thing is the cat's ass. And so then we went up to the, up to the public land hunt and Kevin shot the first night. And I have yet to use the rebel, which is like the more standard platform that, you know, when you think of saddle platforms, it's the most standard one really that you get um, from latitude. And uh, Kevin's like, take my rebel, like try it out, you know, cause I had yet to try it. I prefer the X-wing. Like I like the rebel, but like, it's comfortable and everything, but the X Wing just boy, I had I had four sits in it before four, four or five sits in it before I tried that Rebel. And I'm like, man, I just I just like that X Wing. I don't know if I would steer away from it, you know, honestly. And I did use uh one time I did take I have uh EDP Tropulant EDP this year. I did take that for one sit. And uh, same kind of thing. It was just it felt bulky compared to that X wing because the X wing is so light and so compact. Like when I took that, and the EDP is not that big. Like like it's a d you know it's a it's a standard saddle platform. But when I took it, I'm like, man, this is too bulky. And I but I just think it was I was so used to the the X wing.
1: Really, yeah. I think um, when you talk about the EDP versus the X wing versus like. Say the uh, predator platform, right? Is I, I guess are like my standard of what I measure all sticks against. Like, how do they compare against the B stick, right? And I say the same thing about the predator platform, and it's not because it was first, but when you look at it side by side to the EDP, that in my mind, the predator platform. Shines in the fact that it's more compact and it might not be that much more compact um there's not I know that, what you mean though. there's not that much material there um and when you look at trophy lines, you can tell that Novix has been doing uh casting forever and there's is beautiful compared to yep. a predator platform. In my opinion, and I, and the predator platforms have certainly gotten better. Um, but it's still apples and oranges to me as far as like fit and finish. Now yep. when you get over to like the X wing and the machined aluminum stuff, um, even so like next to a predator platform, it's still a little bit more material, but it's, a, it, it's taller. Um, but mm-hmm. it's different uh, than the than the cast, so you're getting a whole different look and feel and 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 everything right. out of it. Um, and as far as like footprint, I don't know. I think it's a little bit wider um, than the, the, the predator. The,
2: yes, it is. It is wider
1: with those wings. It is
2: wider. And like, so if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about with the X wing, I recommend you go like to Lads' website website and look at it but it's got like, it's got places to put your feet like this. And you just, and it's very comfortable. But what I do is I put my feet on like the corners to start. Like that's how I sit all day. And the reason being is because with my thought process, I was like, well, if I get a deer that commits and I need to like move blind in a way where I don't want to look at my feet, it's easier for me to move back to like standard than it is to move on the, the points. I, I know it probably doesn't make sense, but it was just easier for me to make a blind move back to where your feet should be. So I, I would just always sit on the corners and it was still really comfortable for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, it's just a matter of, getting my hands on one and getting together with those guys and yeah just everything this year didn't work out your you guys camp was the same weekend as ours and then we were going to go hunt with them in Ohio and then they went to Wisconsin because of EHD and we still went to Ohio just didn't didn't so I think
2: I think you should uh, I'm ready to do another camp like I want to do another camp this year I'd like to do it that second week like that same weekend it's already Um, scheduled
1: where are you doing it at same place where we did oh, thanks for the invite. hey, glad I got that um you know what if you go to our website uh there's a link <laughs> oh, <God. to> patreon <laughs> you're gonna big time me now <laughs> there's a there's a patreon link and that yeah all the information is disseminated through there but I, I I would love for you to come um and uh and hang out and there's there's gonna be no elk um so it will be Good. much easier yeah. to differentiate the train. And there's about, I don't know, 10 or 20,000 acres, um, for you to decide. But I mean, it's that one, two, three year thing. And like last year we learned a ton. Um, and I, I mean, so it was such a success with our guys, um, it's it's kind of nerve uh, nerve wracking um, to try to capture lightning in a bottle a second time. Oh um, yeah, but one hundred percent looking forward to it. And uh, certainly you are you are welcome. You got a place to stay. You can sleep in your truck if you want to. You can sleep in a camper. You we had a teepee. Uh, we got wall tents. I mean, it was it was everything that uh, that a deer camp. Uh, would and uh and should be but uh yeah please
2: please come well we'll talk off record cuz that might be something I might do for sure and uh David my new co-host probably come with me and he came with me up to the other one and we had a good time like honestly after we had that trip I was like dude we need to do this every year just pick a piece of public in Michigan. Let's go experience something different. You know what I mean? And I've got a deer camp. My family has a deer camp up in the UP, right on US2. Tons of public land. I haven't been up there since I was 17. And it's like, you know, it can it doesn't sleep many, but you can bring a camper. Like, that's another option. Like, we could go do that. And it's, you know, it's about a six-hour drive from here. And uh, just get away. And it just feels totally different up there you know it just feels like a different state so um yeah that's something i definitely want to do in the state of michigan like that second weekend like let's just because another thing talk about memories my dad and my uncles that's what they did every like second or third week of october they would go and do their deer camp and that's they would usually go to the up and do it and i'm like man i want to
1: experience that so i'm totally on board with that all right well Let's talk about that off the air. Uh, We can wrap this up here. So what have you got going on? You've got a new series that you just started, a new uh, co-host, all that stuff. So so, so let's hear about it.
2: Yeah. So David Riley um, has come on and and co-hosted with me, um, another Michigan guy, really, really knowledgeable. One of the – he's killed some of the – if you're talking bigger deer, he's killed some of the biggest deer I've ever seen in Michigan. And um, he does it on a very high level and he's a consistent guy. Uh, You know, he's, he's really good, um, really knowledgeable. So he's coming on and co-hosting now. And uh, I'm doing a series right now called one giant mistake where as we are sitting here recording um, we've done four episodes and what it is, is uh, some of the biggest mistakes ever on some of the biggest deer all over the country um talking about these these stories and and you know (laughs) it's crazy the nuances when you get into these stories with these guys and what happens you know the one deer you know he this guy had eight years of history with him and he ended up the deer ended up dying as an 11 and a half year old by getting gored by a 125 inch deer that um that was all captured on trail cam this deer like getting gored on cam- on trail cam and i have the pictures like you can see all of it on social so the stories are just crazy you know um people are really liking the series we got a couple more to do but going forward in 2023 just switching up um a couple things of just new content more content and uh just being consistent with it and just keep growing just like you guys you know and um i don't know i just love doing podcasts i i could sit here all night bullshitting and doing podcasts and and uh having an excuse to talk about deer is is where i'm at with it so yeah that's my guy going on
1: yeah and where can people find all of that uh where where are you most active or like that Uh, you got that shirt on that that really fancy sweatshirt like where can people get all your stuff it's the only 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 one ever
2: made and i'm gonna (laughs) get more made Uh, i got this made right before ata because i wanted to get some new stuff so um you can go, I've, I have a website, it's called Fall, it's not the, but it's fallpodcast.com. You can go check out some videos there. I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, just search the Fall Podcast um, YouTube channel, trying to put a whole bunch of content up there. Search the Fall Podcast there. And uh, I got a lot of hunts on there. Um, but yeah, most active on Instagram. Um, you know, the podcast is on Anywhere you can download a podcast, you can get it it's Apple Podcast or Spotify. Uh, I think it might be an iHeartRadio, Radio. Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, I'm on Waypoint Network, just like, just like Adam. So if you want to go to the Waypoint Network, you can listen to them there as well. You can listen to them on my website. So anywhere, I mean, you, you can t- type type in the fall podcast on Google, and you'll probably
1: find it. So that's that's basically the the pitch there. Well, awesome, man. I appreciate it as always thank you and uh look forward to to meeting up with you again in person here thank you man thank you very much yeah thank you
0: for the one they call king. But who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Oh, that's awesome! Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.